Today is November 14th. We've got Rookie of the Year results. We've got a Cashman interview that he shed some light on. We got Manny Machado rumors. We got voicemails, and we got a fun game that we're going to play and play with you guys and a little bit of Dandy the mascot as well. Let's talk Yanks. What's up, everybody? Thank you very much for joining another episode of Talking Yanks, hosted by myself, John Boy from New Jersey, and my co-host, Jake from Denver, but he's actually from Connecticut, but he's living in Denver, but he's from Connecticut, but right now he's living in Denver. Jake, how you doing? So can you say that again? So you're from Connecticut, right? But right now you're currently residing in Denver. Yeah, you had it. Yeah, I figured it out. You want to know who's this show sponsored by? Who today's episode sponsored by? One Need dude, it. One lucky guy. One very, we're the lucky ones, actually. He's the nice one. His name, Damien Duringer. Duringer? I would guess Americanized Duringer. German name. Wonder if he's German. Damien, are you German? Very Damien German last name. Duringer? Yeah, D-E-U-R-I-N-G-E-R. You know, it's, you know it's German when there's just random U's thrown about. I feel like they're big into their U's. U's. U's guys. Anyway, Damien's our most recent Patreon subscriber. $2 a month, he gets live access to the show. You can chat with us after if he wants. Video access to this show and other shows on the John Boy Media Network. And he gets his name put in a raffle for a uh, affordable jerseys at the end of every month. And also a middle-of-the-month contest, which, Jake, we uh, do we have a contest? Did you think of one? This is supposed to be pre-show stuff, but... We're live, and we forgot to talk about this beforehand. No idea. Damn. All right, we'll think of a contest. We will do it Monday. We promised that we would do it today, and uh, now we're pushing it Monday for the Patreons. By the end, there will be a contest where you leave a comment, and then the whoever guesses it correctly will win a jersey on Patreon. That we'll get there. We'll get there eventually. Anyway, how you doing, Jake? I'm all right. I'm coming down. Coming down. Big morning. Had a couple hot coffees. Um, and yeah, just winding down, starting eyeing like the post day chores and stuff, which I'm not excited about. So what are your chores? What do you have to do? I just like clean the apartment and bullshit and dog, all of it. Nice. I went, yep. I went grocery shopping today. That was nice. chore. Anyway, yep. how how are you with the baseball off season right now? Actually, how am I with the baseball off season? I'm okay with it. Note it is, like, everything's been thought out for me. Like, there hasn't been the wild card. There hasn't been, like, you know, DeGrom suddenly available or anything like that. Like, uh, everything I've had for the past, I don't know, since the season ends is price tags for Kluber, Carrasco, Paxton, Granke, uh, yeah. Ray. So it's just running through the same stuff, and I'm like, I, I just I feel like I need something a little more creative. We're in a holding pattern right now. We're just waiting for something new. But how are you doing like without games and stuff? Do you miss it yet? Like, do you miss watching the game? Because I haven't. I think after Christmas is usually when I start breaking and I'm like, okay, I want to watch baseball again. Right now, I'm I'm fine. Uh, I'm excited for like the off season moves. So it's a little. But I saw some people tweeting out like, oh, I miss watching baseball games every night. And I'm like, right now, I'm good. Just like I love the season, I need the off season a little bit. Uh, yeah, I, th- I thought I was going to get up for those, uh, games that are going on in Asia, but no. Yeah. I thought I would have interest in that as well. I guess if a Yankee was playing, I would have interest, but I have zero interest at all. Yeah, that's true. MLB missed on that. I don't know how that thing all played out. And I know they said they wanted someone, but I wonder if, if the Yankees as an organization just said, nah, bigger goals, man, bigger goals. Yeah. We'll let Hideki go out there and swing it around. He'll probably hit some homers. All right. 
first topic. Otani won Rookie of the Year. Yes. Andy Hart lost. Otani won huge. We had this conversation on the radio show a little, Jake, so we're, we'll have to repeat ourselves because we have a lot more people listening to Talking Yanks and they're our, our more loyal audience. But uh, here, ready, you're, get ready to hate me, uh, Yankee fans, because I have to be honest, I think Otani deserved it. Um, I think Andy Hart deserved it as well. I think if you're if you're surprised, uh, I don't think you really read the tea leaves. There's uh, the Yankees are very very mad. I also don't think Rookie of the Year matters that much. I think uh, Andy Hart could have should have won. Here's how I broke it down that I think made the most sense. It's all about your interpretation of this award. If you think it is, who was the most valuable rookie? It's a, it's Andujar, without a doubt. He was more valuable to the Yankees than Otani was to the Angels. Andujar played every single day. He never slumped offensively. He carried the team for a while with Giancarlo. So if your interpretation of Rookie of the Year is who's the most valuable rookie, I think it's hands down Andujar. If your interpretation of Rookie of the Year is who's the most impressive rookie, and I think that we have set a standard that rookie of the year is interpreted in that way. Who was the most impressive rookie? Because like on, on MVP, a lot of times you'll hear people say, you can't give an MVP to a guy on a losing team because how was he valuable when they didn't even win? No one ever, ever says that about a rookie of the year. How could you give him rookie of the year when he's on a losing team? That's never been something that's said. So I think that, precedent that it has nothing to do with the team or the winning it just has to do with who had the more impressive year Otani had the more impressive year even if he missed he was hurt he still played 114 games people want to act like he only played for two months or three months he still played 114 games what he did was impressive it was more impressive we've seen rookies come up and swing a great bat like Andujar did it was great we've seen rookies do that we haven't seen a rookie come up and pitch at an ace level and hit 20 home runs in a hundred years, 100 years. So if you, if, if the award is who's the more impressive rookie, Otani was the more impressive rookie. And it's like, that's not a good state, uh, a voice to be having right now in Yankee land, but I can't be disingenuous uh, and just, and just pander and pine to the Yankee fans that listen. Uh, that's how I feel. Jake, that was long winded of me. Your thoughts. Yeah, you let the air out of, you let the air of the bag there, Jim. Um, no, you. I mean, you got it. It's each award means different things, but we all assume the best award means the same thing. We think the Heisman Trophy is the same as the MVP, as the Rookie of the Year, and all of them have slightly different definitions. Some are, you know, who takes who takes it more by storm. I my the thing I did before it started that I wanted to fuse things with was. The Rookie of the Year award, I was looking for the definition of it. You know, does it say best rookie or anything? It doesn't. It just says Rookie of the Year. Uh, so, yeah, if you think of it through that scope, and I, I don't want to say this is why the voters wanted it, but you kind of want to be on the right side of history. And if Otani is the next Babe Ruth, I think people want to say that they voted for that guy as the Rookie of the Year. And what he did was he was the rookie story of the year. Baseball wanted him to be the story of the year. Andujar was great, and he's, you know, his double stats are up there with some crazy things, but I'm, I'm sure we'll see those things rivaled in our lifetime. Uh, Otani could be a once-in-a-lifetime thing. The only thing that I'll say is messed up about it is baseball is an accumulation sport. Uh, we don't care if you had an incredible half. We don't care if you did this. We don't care if you had an incredible five-year span. That doesn't get you into the Hall of Fame. So Rookie of the Year, you kind of go away from the accumulation stats that make you one of the best that ever does it. So I, I see people's frustration there. And yeah, then they play the Gary Sanchez card that he didn't play enough and the Matsui thing is its own other thing. Second Matsui reference. That's how you know it's a, a good app. A, a lot of people are throwing out the Gary Sanchez thing. A lot, a lot of people, and uh, once again, people, if you're going to have an opinion, just do a little bit of research. Otani played twice as many games as Gary. Twice as many. So they're yeah. not like, if Otani can win it, then so could have Gary. Nope, no. It's a much different thing. 
Yeah, I, I think the only thing that you and I really disagreed on this was people being frustrated, and I think you can be. Your your rookie had an incredible year, and he a lot of years he would have been rookie of the year, and at the end of the day, he has more impressive a more impressive body of work, but that's not how this award works. So uh, no, no, you can be you can be frustrated. I'm not trying to. <laughs> and we don't it. disagree on it. Yeah, we don't. What I, what I'm what I did don't like is people discrediting Otani because Andy Hart didn't win. They were just be mad at the and like uh, saying Otani didn't deserve it at all is crazy because he did. Uh, so I don't know. But I th- another good conversation I thought we had is if Andy Hart's defense was better, some people think, well, if Andy Hart's defense was better, do you think that would make a difference? We both think no. Yeah, so that's the interesting conversation, which which is kind of scary. And it's what would, what would Andy Hart have had to do? And I think he would have had to be in, and I, no disrespect to doubles, I think if, he, if the defense wasn't an issue and he had 40 homers, I think that does it for him. Yeah. I know some people were tweeting 50 to be dramatic. I, I'm trying to think realistically. If a rookie had hit four, 40 homers with all the with some of the other extra base stats and the full body of work, then I think it's close, and I think he gets it. But, uh, yeah, he, he was fighting an uphill battle. It's, it's a crazy story. I, my, my big thing that I've been doing with all the trade stuff is put yourself in the other team's shoes. If Otani was a Yankee, we would be drooling and screaming over this freak. So, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Remember that he missed most of the season. There's 160 games he played in 114. He missed most of the season. He missed a good chunk. 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 Andujar was definitely more valuable to his team than Otani was to his team. Unfortunately, that's not the award that they hand out. They also did Manager of the Year. Boone got some votes. Uh, of course he does. They won a hundred games. Move on. Do you have anything on that? Yeah, I don't know. I someone's got to finish third. Yeah, I think like Girardi never finished beyond fourth. There's only fifteen teams, so yeah. Who cares? Fifteen teams. <laughs> Three of those teams are going to be last place. All right, but yeah, I'm I'm not going to crunch the numbers on it. But, it is yeah. silly when you think there's only 15 teams and like, oh, Boone got three votes for first play for Boone got like three votes for third place manager of the year. And I saw people being that's ridiculous. He was terrible. Like, there's 15 guys and half the league was tanking. Yeah, I'm one day when I'm when, when I'm getting paid for this and we uh, and I can deep dive some interesting research stuff. That's been my argument about all stars. Like, how hard is it to actually be an all star? Because I think at the end of the day, if you start breaking down platoons, if you break down guys who suck and you break down injuries, I think all-stars come down to like four guys every year. <laughs> yes, and they're not representative of a full good season. They're only representative of a good first half, like which I always mm-hmm. say. Well, we might be moving it to the end of the year, Jim. I'm petitioning. If someone was to make a Hall of Fame case, okay, right? what holds the most weight out of these three things? All-star appearances, gold glove win, uh, awards, or rookie of the year? All-star appearances. Holds the most weight? Easily, Over yeah. gold glove? Yeah. Because gold glove is a whole season thing, an all-star right. game is. You might not be able to hit for shit, though. I agree with you. Uh, and that- because, dude, all-star becomes, like, look at Dellen this year. You just said it becomes a reputation thing. So... Dellen this year was off the team because he had such a bad second half last year. So it it almost goes both ways. Like yeah. your reputation can help and hurt you. But those those three things all hold very little weight in Hall of Fame things. I think they're th- like three bottom things. No, I I wouldn't say bottom things. It depends what you're considering top things. But it's I I mean like an all star shows average. a body of work and it's supposed to be how good you are over a decade. So like, how many guys if you make eight all star teams in a decade are bad players? Yeah, but I mean you we know, love that the holds Yan- merit. We love the Yankees, but Jeter made some all star games at the end there. I was like, ah, oh yeah, because it becomes uh show how much of a hero they they were. Yeah, you have Cal to earn Rick it. In. You have to earn those right. Sim- so <laughs> it, you're right. That's a good point. 
If you hit the 12-15 point, yeah, you're going to you're going to get some bonus ones. My point against actually turned into a point 4. So, oh, yeah. I just debated with myself. All right, Brian Cashman went on to the Boomer and Geo show for his his charity, and there were some interesting quotes and questions and stuff that came out of here. First, he talked about starting pitching. I'm going to play the sound clip for everyone. Here we go. I've got to get two starters in here, preferably elite, which, you know, those lists are smaller, but the better quality, you know, number one, two, or three type starter, you know, that's what we need. So I need multiples of those. Okay, so if we believe this isn't posturing, if we're going to believe what he's saying right now, which I do, I think, because he's right. So I agree with him, so I believe him, I guess is what I'm saying. He needs two more starters. Uh, everyone that was worried that CC is going to be moved uh, higher than the fifth, like, I like the CC signing, but only if he's the fifth. We heard a lot of that. This quote seems like Cashman agrees. He needs two starters, preferably elite, but there's not a lot of elite starters out there. And he needs multiple of them. So I agree, Cash. I agree with what you're saying, and I like it. Yeah, and I I don't know if this was laziness by me, but it just made more sense in my head that they would... They need two starting pitchers. We've we've been saying that from the start, or since they resigned CeCe. You know, some people still want him to be a pseudo-pitching coach. But no, he's going to be our fifth starter most of the year. Don't talk crap about Sid from Long Island. Hey, I didn't. You just did. We like Sid from Long Island. I, you just talked crap on him. I didn't you, reference anyone. You referenced his phone call when he. No, he no, no. Him. I was. I said some people. I'm sorry if Sid mentioned that. But so, sorry, Sid. He. Uh, sorry for Jim throwing you under the bus. Sid. Sorry that Jake just did that to you, Sid. He uh, keeps saying your name, which now people just target you and come to your house. But uh, yeah, I just assumed it would be a free agent signing and a trade. Uh, Corbin has made so much sense from the start. Because he's young, so you could get some younger, you could get some prime years. Uh, man, I'll, I'll tell you what, with some of the creative contracts and some of the trade options out there, I mean, and this is going to tie into a lot of what we're going to talk to about the rest of the episode, but seems like via trade, he can get his hands on some cost-controlled pitchers and then spend on the bats, but we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Yep. I mean, it's definitely, it was nice to hear. Nice to hear because we all thought it was true, and it's nice to hear. It's going to be much more nice to see happen. Yes. Because that's still a big part. Yeah. He was also asked about the luxury tax. This is kind of a longer answer, but this is what he said. That's a good question. I mean, I've not been told that I can't exceed the tax. The only thing I've been told by Hal, essentially, is the preference would be to avoid that tax, but the mission was to reset get back under because of the penalties that were getting so extreme for where we were existing and lining our opponents' pockets with, with extra cash to use against us and deploy for their benefit. So now that we're back in that arena where we're in a safe harbor, you know, it gives us the ability to walk up to that line. Uh, and then when we're getting close to it, you know, Hal Steinbrenner uh, and his family, as they always have, will consider whether it's worth going over that line. They've never said they're not going to go over it again. They've never said don't go over it. They just they said when you walk up close to it, you know, then uh, get back to me and we'll have a discussion about, you know, if there's any more to be going forward or not. And so it's more of a discussion point now than a mandatory stay away from and reset. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised in, in the future at some point, you know, that the Yankees will again return uh, if if warranted to surpassing that. But I think operationally you always like to put the best team on the field at the lowest cost possible. And, and if those opportunities exist, that's the that's the best uh, play, but you know that's not also reality in most cases. So we'll do that walk and see where it takes us. All right, my favorite. I think the most, the best line is somewhere around here. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised in, in the future at some point. You know, I wouldn't be surprised in the future at some point if the Yankees exceed the luxury tax. Maybe in two months, Jake. Maybe. But they're changing their stance on this. For a while, they were pretty well. We're going to try and stay under. We think we can win at under. We're going to try and stay under. Now, like Cashman's like, ah, if we go over, we need to go over. I'll ask. I don't have a mandatory stay under. I th- I think they're going over. I still think they will. Um, like we said before, there's ways they can stay under and still put out a, a good winning team. It's much easier to go over and do it. Yeah, I think they showed this year that you know once the multipliers really kick in, I I think that's when you got to raise a red flag to it. I I was reading a really good article on Fangraphs about all this payroll stuff because 
There's been a lot going on trying to figure out what you actually have to pay Corey Kluber per year. Uh, re- really sends you through a ringer. I say this like I would. I I was gonna say I would love to see a Yankees PNL, but I actually wouldn't. Like I think it would be cool for half a second, then I'd be like, oh, too many numbers. But they said like with with the tax compared to 2014, which I know that's a big jump, but like coming into this year, they basically have an extra hundred million laying around in comparison, and now they're drawing in. Uh, X amount more fans per year. So, like, the PL this year, no matter how much they spend on free agents, is going to look pretty good in comparison to some of the past years. Explain, so, uh, say what PL is for everyone that doesn't know. What is it? The pr- profit and losses sheet? Something like that? Um, I don't know, man. I, I freaking hated working. Uh, yeah, the process and loss statement. Profit and loss statement. Yeah, I I saw I got to look at a few of those at CED Consolidated Electrical Supplier, so I'm a little bit of an expert on the topic. Hey, hey, um, hey. But uh what'd you just say? Gay? I said I would never. I said hey, hey, hey. Oh, you would though. Never. So I don't know. The the Yanks are gonna spend. Uh but I I think it's just gonna be, you know, every three years or so they're gonna keep things in check. And I I think something also that I read out was wrote out was our boy Hap. Like I, I think if they could do quick hitters, so if they need to reset every couple years, I think they're gonna love doing things like that. So yeah. we'll yep. see. Two year contract, so you reset every third year. And for new listeners or for listeners that are un uh, uh, are not familiar with the luxury tax rules, and it's always nice to just refresh anyone that might not know. The first year you go over the luxury tax, you get. You, first year you go over, you get taxed twenty percent, the sec of the surplus. So you go over by one hundred million dollars, you get taxed twenty percent of that. The second year you get taxed thirty percent, and the third year you're over, you get taxed fifty percent on the surplus, and all that money goes spread around the league. So that's when when Cashman says we were sick of of giving money to our opponents and then they were using that money to negotiate against us in contracts. And it was like all our money is funding baseball right now. Same thing with um, uh, website revenue. In 2003, Yankees merch sales basically won the Marlins the World Series. Not really, obviously. But uh, they decided like they once internet um, merch sales started happening – they were realized they couldn't just like the Yankees didn't get all the money from Yankee gear. They split it up between everyone. And Yankees gear is obviously the majority of the market because people around the world wear Yankee stuff, even if they don't know the team. And so the Marlins were getting like pieces of that and smaller teams and all that. So revenue shares have hurt the Yankees a lot because they bring in the most money they make the, and they spend the most money and then they end up paying for a lot of the other teams. All right. Got it. Uh, Michael K says the Yankees are all in on Machado. And that's about all we'll say, and we'll move on to um, a little game we're going to play. We tweeted this out with the episode. Uh, If you're watching on Patreon, it'll be out tomorrow, but you're going to have to follow along. So you've probably seen these with other places. You have $15, and you need to buy five free agents. So Jake and I put together a graphic because there's different tiers. So if you want to get Manny Machado or Bryce Harper, that's $5. There's people in the $4 category, the $3 category, the $2 category, the $1 category. So follow along. Go to Twitter or our Instagram page and and look at it to follow along. Should I quickly say who's in what category, Jake? Will people even be able to keep up and remember and understand? No, I think we'll kind of we'll kind of run through it. And if you want to check it out, check out at Talking Yanks on Instagram or on Twitter, and and you'll see it out there today. And it's 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 just a fun brain exercise for the kids. All right, so uh, in the $4 category, well, let's do I'm going to do mine. Okay. I'm taking Bryce Harper in the $5 sure. category, put him in left field. I'm taking Corbin from the $4 category. Did we explain the rules? Did you explain the rules? You get Yeah, $15, five guys. Five free agents. They've each been labeled a dollar amount. Yeah, you yeah, got it. Yep. Uh, $3, I'm taking Hap. So right. I want... Bryce is my $5 guy. Corbin's my $4 guy. Hap is my $3 guy. D-Rob is my $2 guy. And Neil Walker's my one. So I have I have three 
guys that are coming back that were in the Bronx last year, Harper and Corbin. That's my 15 bucks. Who do you I, got? I, Who do you got? I, I like your list. I decided it was soft. It I is soft. It's very soft. It's a soft list. I want a lot of the guys coming back, yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to double down on Harper and Machado for, for, uh, two thirds of my budget. There's some quick fraction math. So you're going 10 bucks of your 15 smokes. And then, uh, yeah, you know what? Let's, let's just paint the town red. Let's bring in, (laughs) let's bring in Marwin Gonzalez with the two. And then we're going to go Matt Harvey and Disco Neal. No, get Matt Harvey the hell off of my team. Um, no, we'll go. We're going Harper, Machado, D. Rob, and then Disco Neal and Josh Harrison. So give me a couple flexible guys that we can move around. What's your infield? We got you got Josh Harrison and Neil Walker and Andujar and Glaber and Voight. Yeah, we're gonna Glaber's Glaber and Machado are gonna have to figure out shortstop second. Go from there. And Harrison can play some left field. We're going to be moving bodies around, man. This is MLB baseball nowadays. <laughs> you got Harrison, Neal, Machado, and you still have Glaber, Andujar, Voigt, Bird. Oh, we might have to trade Andujar. I don't know. We got with that free agent pool. We got to bring in some pitching. So we'll see. Okay. I mean, Voigt may be out of town. I'm filling out the bench at this point. Riding out that bench. All right, so uh, yeah, a little and, Josh and, Harris, a little Josh Harrison, guardy platoon and left. Yeah, you kidding me? Yeah, so go go on the Instagrams and the Twitters and and fill it out yourself. Have some fun and don't get bogged down by the rules and be like, oh, this is stupid. Just play. No, people won't. People will complain all the time. Do you want to hear? Always, the, do you want to hear the top complaints we're gonna get? I can tell you before they even happen. I'm excited. Say, um, pitching. Well, I'm, won't we just trade for pitching? Trades don't exist. People will probably complain that D Rob's cheap. Um, well, don't let let the people show their colors, Jim. All right, all right, all right. We're moving on the to voicemails. Show Yo, their colors. can I tell you this? I sure. love, I love the voicemail line and the people that call in. It's so much fun. For you know, we it's just it's a lot of fun. So if you want to call in, it's nine zero eight eight four five. 5792. Uh, leave a voicemail. People, some of these people, they leave them throughout the day. If you have something that you think we're not going to talk about generically, like obviously we're going to talk about the rookie of the year stuff. So uh, we did have one person call in. I appreciate the call asking our opinion on it, but that was on the list anyway. So uh, I skipped it, but I do appreciate the call. But then we, we get people that call in and have some interesting things to say. So first, here's our first call. You ready? Here. What's up, fellas? This is for Talking Yanks. Was just curious, probably not going to happen, but if the Yankees traded Andujar for Corey Kluber, would you guys be panicked if we did not sign Manny Machado as well and took advantage of the other third basemans open on the free agent market to replace him, such as a Mike Moustakis or a Josh Donaldson, even if we went the cheap route and got probably the worst third baseman they had in free agency being a young Jarvis Solarte, ex-Yankee himself, I think we'd still come out for the better at the end of the deal. Want to hear what you guys think. All right, have a good one. All right, so we've talked Kluber and Andujar trade to death, and in the end, I don't think it's going to happen, so it's kind of beating a dead horse. But I thought this was an interesting aspect. Right. If the trade does go down, we sent Andujar, we get Kluber back. At what point of third base return is it worthwhile to you so if we sign manny like uh, some people don't even think this if we sign manny he plays third and then we trade Andujar for kluber that is that that is worthwhile in spades to me i love Andujar. i uh i do like Andujar, but come on machado and kluber for Andujar. that's an easy easy thing to do so when does it get hard for you if they bring in Donaldson, is that still worthwhile? If they bring in, uh, and then he went down to Solarte, what if they bring in no one, and now it's just Echeverria and Walker hanging out around there in third? <laughs> hey, hey, and we still got to bring those guys in. Those guys are free agents. Yeah, you're, you're right. You're right. But so at what point is it, no, I don't care. Uh, I'd rather have Andujar and not Kluber. I I mean, I'm, I'm kind of fine with it. I'm, if... If we opened with 
Echeverria and Neil Walker, but we had Kluber and maybe Harper. It it depends on a lot more transactions, but I mean, the lineup's already there. People are complaining about the lineup. We broke the home run record with our MVP out for a chunk of last season. Uh, the lineup is going to score. We clearly, the things that we wanted to focus on were defense and pitching, pitching a much higher priority. Um, but yeah, if you're t- if if they told us like, yeah, Etch is going to lock it down, we're going to give... Neil Walker third base, I'd be a little surprised because I think they could throw money at a Moustakis for one year or two years, something like that. Uh, it would be surprising, but at the end of the day, I'd be like, okay, so Didi, they know that Didi's going to come back. They're they're confident in that because that's why they're doing this. Um, and yeah, they, they got the big arm that they've been looking for. So I, I'm not too shocked by that return. We have... Gary, who should hit next year. First base, interesting, but options. Glaber should hit. Stanton, Hicks is going to do his thing. Judge are going to do their thing. We still have a heart of a lineup there. Um, And I think they're still going to bring in someone, whether it's left field or the left side of the infield. So, I mean, not too much. So so there's there's no, you do Andy Har for Kluber with no stipulations. Like, it doesn't matter who's playing third, it's worthwhile to you. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, people were trying to loop in Kipnis to a deal. I saw some of that. Um, it, pitch, pitching and defense. I mean, the, we, we already have guys that are going to score runs. Can we put better players in those positions? Yes. Um, but it, it, it kind of depends how it all plays out. Hey, Josh Harrison and Neil Walker, throw them out there, babe. All right. Interesting. I, I think you're right. Like, I think Kluber is worth losing Andujar people keep keep trying to act like Kluber's not good it's blowing my mind he's so good but yeah I thought I thought for a while I'd only do it if if Machado was signed but there are other ways where like Kluber for three years at 15 mil a year yeah still fine and I mean you can say this and it's not doesn't mean you hate Andujar just means you you want an ace pitcher right and it I it it allows a lot of different options. Kluber would by far be the number one pitching free agent if he was out there, and he's not out there. And then again, we saw guys going into spring training last year like Neil Walker who almost didn't get offered contracts. And so you could you could wait out the scrap heap there, and then maybe you get Moustakas for a... I, I saw him projected to get two for 16. Wouldn't that fit the Yankees' plans and add that lefty bat that everyone's screaming about? It, it it opens up a lot of opportunities if you can get your hand on the pitching. If Kluber the pitching, w- the pitching comes first. If Kluber was on the open market as a free agent right now, what would he command? He's thirty two years old. Corbin is thirty, but in everyone's mind, Corbin is like the youngest person that's ever walked the earth, and uh, Kluber walks around with a walking cane. But two years difference, and what would he what would he command? Kluber hit the open market. It wouldn't be fifteen mil a year. Oh my God, no! It would be closer to thirty. Closer what to did Kurt? What did Kershaw just get? They they just reduced Kershaw to thirty million a year, something like that. Kluber'd get thirty million a year. Uh, Grinky makes thirty five million a year. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. All right, next. Hey boys, it's Pat from Jersey. We're talking Yanks. Um. First of all, you got uh, Lonnie Chisenhold again. Uh, Guy Richards out for Tommy John, and he just he walks more batters than anyone ever. Um, I got a question, just a general question. Do you think anyone on the current roster or in the minor leagues is our future closer after Chapman? I know he has three years, so it's kind of a you know very future question. But three years, and I don't know if they'll bring him back after that. He'd be thirty-three. Um, that's some theoretical. Maybe it's potential. Maybe it's not. But just curious, who your thoughts are. All right, go again. All right, Pat from New Jersey, letting us know that I got Lonnie Chiz and told again last episode when someone called in saying get Garrett Richards, uh, who's got Tommy John. Well, I like that Lonnie Chisenhold is the term for us being wrong, but that was more on the caller, not on us. Anyway, just a quick question: When Chapman's gone in three years, do we think the next closer's on the roster? I don't. Uh, maybe Batances if they resign Batances. Um, 
But I think that's always might be a position where you go and get one until you find your guy. Yeah, and that's a position I, I've talked about the Yankees spoiled with the bullpen. I mean, a lot of teams don't have extra cash to throw at the best reliever in baseball to put in their closer. Um, and maybe it's a Yankee tradition now. I mean, hey, Mo Chapman. Um, I mean, we're, we're talking guys that will be remembered for a long time at this point. The other thing that I'm just going to throw out as a huge curveball, uh, hashtag Barry Zito, is uh, bullpens could change a lot. We're seeing baseball go nuts right now. What if the Brewers have it right where you have four guys that can be a closer on every night and you just play the matchups and who's rested? Um, and that way, if you have if you have four guys that you can pay $8 million a year or a couple of those guys are young guys, an arbitration contract – then you can spend money elsewhere and you don't have to pay your closer the $18 million you're paying, Chapman. Could be. I don't know. I think closer is always going to be like you want your guy. To a degree. I mean, look what the Brewers did. Look what the Red Sox did. Yeah, it's just like for a managing standpoint, you want to limit like mistakes you make. So you're like, he's our closer. We're staying with him. He's going to blow a game every night. To where if you do the the spinning door, it's like, well, why'd you choose him? Yeah, I, it could be an old, it could make us look like old school thoughts. If in the next couple of years of revolution, look how much councils loved in Milwaukee. Look how much Cora is idolized in Boston now. Well, they have a closer. He just sucked in the playoffs, right? But they didn't use him in the closer role. They moved. I they had Sale close out Game Seven. Yeah, or yeah. not game seven, but game most five. of the but the regular season they had a closer. The Corey yeah. just came brawl. Yeah, yeah, that's very dark game. All right, next. Hey guys, this is Carlos from South Carolina. Uh, first, congratulations on your show. It's very, very good. The one talking youngs, the podcast. I have a question for you. We always talk about trades and free agent signings. How about those reclamation projects that we know Cashman loves to do? Those picture reclamation projects that will probably take a one-year deal, maybe a minor league deal. But uh, I have my top three list, and I want to share with you. It will be Irving Santana. He might be on a one-year deal. Then you have Tyson Ross and Matt Moore. What do you guys think? Thank you. Thanks, Carlos. I do agree that Brian Cashman loves reclamation projects. He used to love stashing AAA with them. Um, like, uh, was Capuano one? There was other people, I forget, where he'd put them in AAA, like guys that were kind of out of baseball or very teetering on being out, and he just because he liked solid arms, you know? Mm. Um, do you have any guys? Do you have any thoughts on Santana, Tyson Ross, Matt Moore? Yeah, I mean, Irvin Santana is not really reclamation project, I'd say. I mean, he's I've, I've thrown this out there. If the Yankees are really trying to do this damn thing and there are going to be injuries and stuff and they, they don't fully believe in Justice Sheffield, if Irvin Santana doesn't get paid, the, the Yankees could throw him a bone out there and be like, hey, you know, and then, then you have – we talked about CeCe being the best fifth starter in the league. Irvin Van- Santana is probably the best sixth starter in the league. Uh, the other two, on the other hand, are projects. Um, Matt Moore, almost a sad story. He was supposed to be the next in, in line for the Rays as their like, young go-to guy that they were going to build around for five years and then have to trade. Um, and they did that, and he's, he's just been awful. Uh, he finished this year. Uh, he ended up with a 6-7-9 ERA. Like, he's a guy that's going to have to get a minor league contract with, like, a decent big league kicker. Uh, the only thing I'd say about Matt Moore is it looks like they moved him to the bullpen in September. He had nine appearances with, a like, a 3-0 ERA. So, I mean, if this guy's dedicated to the bullpen life and he's better suited for that, maybe that's his thing. Or maybe he figured something out in general and wants to give it a go as a starter. But, I mean, to throw a guy like that anywhere near your rotation right now is dangerous. Um, Tyson Ross, interesting. People throw his name around. I, I think he's more appealing to a, a middle market where they can they can bring him in to be their fourth or fifth starter and they could have something special there. Uh, he ended up – actually, he went to St. Louis 
at the deadline this year, and he did pretty well. 26 innings, 2.73 ERA. Um, he definitely was a lot sexier 2014-2015. He was an all-star. He had a strikeout per inning. So he's come down from that. Um, could I see it? Yeah. I, I think a lot of them make more sense for other organizations. Where they'd probably put a little more money into it than the Yankees. I wouldn't say more money because I don't think the Yankees care about that. But, I mean, Irvin Santana wouldn't be in our starting five or six, depending how you look at it, where for another team, he's probably their third or fourth starter coming into the year. All right. Cool. I was going through the AAA rosters sure, uh, from past years to see if I could find any of these reclamation projects. Uh, but like I don't, I don't think they started enough games, so it's pretty hard to. I was doing it by game started. It's usually start the year, but I don't know. This 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 perked my brain up, so I don't think it's actually interesting. But in two thousand and eleven, Adam Warren started twenty seven games in AAA, and in two thousand twelve, Adam Warren started twenty six games. About that, he probably thought he was going to be a starter. <laughs> Yeah, man, that dude. This was my uh, this was my Chad Green argument for a while. Like Chad Green's been dirt, but I mean he's got a starting history. It's true. Um, yeah. Tyson Ross, Bay Area guy, Jim Bishop, O'Dowd High School, Cal Berkeley. He's got to be going back to the A's, baby. Where's Bishop O'Dowd High School? I never heard of that. That's Oakland. Oh, he's right in the right in the city. The town, the, the city is San, the city of San Francisco. The town is Oakland. Get it right, Jimmy. Once in your fucking life, Joel De La Cruz started seven games in uh, whatever year that was. All right, next voicemail is from Derek. What's up? This is Derek from Connecticut. Con for talking Yanks. Shout out to Jake, Connecticut boy. I love your guys' show. I just want to know what you guys thought about trying to trade for someone like Mike Clevenger from the Indians. He's a guy whose skills is greatly overlooked, and if acquired, he could be a huge asset to the rotation. He had a 3.02 ERA and 32 starts this season, and the Indians would want something decent in return for him, like a Sheffield or Florial to headline it, and another good guy like Clinter Breu as a throw-in. To be honest, I haven't really looked into anything in his contract. All right, so uh, uh, Derek from Connecticut asking about Mike Clevenger, old uh, boy. old wet haired dog face guy. We'd uh, we'd clean up his hair if he came to the Yankees. So that'd be good. He's twenty seven years old. He's got another year of team control, and then he signed through thirty one. So he'd probably cost a lot. I don't think they're looking to move him. But they're looking to move Kluber. What the Indians are doing doesn't make sense to me. That's why I still don't think Kluber will be moved. Um, but, yeah, why hasn't anyone said Clevenger? Everyone said, uh, I've heard Kluber, for sure. I've heard Carrasco. I've even heard, like, hints of, what about Bauer? I haven't heard anyone say Clevenger. Is it because if he's got the herky-jerky motion and the dog hair and I don't like him? Is that why? He's, he, he's still under team control, and bef- he's even pre-arbitration. For one uh, more year, yeah. Yeah, so that I I mean he's going to be he's going to be very cheap for the next 5 years. Um like the the price for him I I'm not going to say it's the same as Kluber, but it it's up there. It's close. Um and Cleveland wants to hold on to him. The the whole thing in Cleveland is they have to cut some of their costs while they still want to compete and Clevenger is one of the cheaper cost guys. They're I, if if they move someone, it's going to be Kluber or Carrasco. I I think even Bowers off the table. Yeah. Um, Clevenger. I, you never know. I watch Clevenger pitch, and I say that guy's going to have back problems in two years. The same way I watched Sale pitch when he was on the White Sox and said this guy's arm's going to fall off in two years, and Sale's arm hasn't fallen off yet. But I'm not accredited doctor, so obviously, you know, who knows? Right. But well, Mike Clevenger's going to have back problems because he pitches like a psycho. Makes me dizzy watching him. Yeah, he's intense. He's a hardo. It's he's probably a- Yarber and then Clevenger, my one, two least favorite pitchers to watch. Wow. Um, yeah, we'll see. I, I just don't make don't think it makes too much sense for Cleveland to move him with what they're trying to do. Um 
Yeah. AJ Burnett, part two. Mike Clevenger? No. Got the tats. He'd have to clean up that gross hair look a little bit. Yeah. All right, next. What's up, guys? It's uh, Matt G. from Long Island. I had uh, two questions for you guys, uh, neither pertaining to the offseason, perhaps. So, Aaron Hicks, next year, does he make his first All-Star game? Do we see him take that next step, maybe boost that batting average up a little bit, uh, hit that 30-home run mark? Uh, I still think he doesn't get all the credit he deserves. There's still that little part of me from 2016 where he played Hold My Beer with Alejandro Diaz for worst outfielder in New York. So there's always that little part of me. But after seeing what he's done for us the last two seasons, I can't help but think that he can keep progressing and just keep getting better from here on out. Uh, He's got a second part, but we'll play this part first. Hicks next year. I mean, we're expecting him to be our center fielder and to do what he did last year or a little better, right? Like, uh, I think it's unfair to to not expect that, and we've been unfair to Hicks maybe in the past. We're both pretty mean about him because we don't like his approach at the plate. But I think he's earned the expectation to have this season or a little better next year. Do you agree? Yeah, he's a good he's a good baseball player. He plays good defense. I mean, he finished with. 27 home runs this year, 90 runs, um, 79 RBIs, the 366 OBP. His numbers, I, I know they were uh, 88 games last year to 137 this year. Uh, if As long as he's healthy and kind of doing his thing, it, it is what it is. Uh, his, his numbers took a slight tick down from last year. If you look at batting average OBP and OBS, but it was a much larger sample, and he was really good this year. Everyone fell in love with the second-best AL center fielder line, which was good. It was, it, it's, a, it's a little cheek and tongue, Ugh, I bet. Um, yeah, I, we just expect him to be solid. Is, is there a chance he can get better? Yeah, his age 29 season is... It'll be his hopefully his third season with a hundred plus games, so that you'd like to think there's growth. Um, yeah. Nice. Second part of his question. Part really quick. What do you think a full season of Luke Voigt will look like? All right, guys, love the show. Keep it going. Talk to you soon. Full season of Luke Voigt. Uh, Cashman was also asked this on the Boomer and Geo show, and basically said, you know, like we didn't think he, we got him. Cashman said, we got him because Tyler Austin was out of options in 2019 and moving forward, and we didn't want to commit to Tyler Austin being on the 25-man roster, which means Tyler Austin would have escaped us for nothing. So we had to trade Tyler Austin, and then we had to get a backup first baseman that had minor league options, which is Luke Voigt. <clears throat> he did say the analytics department were not surprised and said that this is who he is. Uh, we cannot ex- They were surprised. That, I'm saying what Cashman said. Right. I um, I don't think you can expect what he did because he hit like 330. What did he end up hitting? Like 330? He hit at an MVP rate. He hit better than J.D. Martinez. His yeah. OPS was like one, <laughs> 108. I can, I can bring it up. Uh, Throw down a slash line that you think is somewhat realistic if Voigt plays a full season next year. How about so, How about this? 271 batting average, 342 on base percentage, 488 slugging. 488 slugging. 25 home runs. We'd be happy with it. We'd be happy with that. Man, it's kind of been the hidden conversation of the offseason so far, huh? With all the Harper, Machado. This this is going to be the conversation from, like, January 1st on. Yeah, once everything else is figured out, okay, what about first base now? Dude, I. it's almost a big shrug. This guy could be a beast. He could be average. He could be below average. Um, you, you and I have been digging into some of, uh, Sugar Shane Spencer's stats recently. Uh, that, that might be a fun one to bring up. Um, but I don't know, man. You, you, he looks like a powerful guy. He looks like a 30 homer guy. When, when we saw him play, he hit 14 homers in 39 games to put expectations on it is pretty insane. Yeah. It's impossible. Um, It's impossible. 
I think th- I think the thing that we we have to say as an afterthought, which the people aren't going to love, if if Luke Voigt isn't a superhuman, like you're going to see a little bit of Greg Bird at first. Oh, I think that they're going to have a. No one wants to hear this. I think Bird and Voigt. It's a competition in spring. I think I think Bird can beat him out for a starting job in spring. No, I don't think that. You don't think that? I I think with dude with. Never mind what Greg Bird did, and you can play the lost season in Gary Sanchez card. Dude, what Luke Voigt did was incredible. He played at an MVP level for 40 games. I think it'll be somewhat of a competition. At least a platoon. I, I, don't, I think into April, if Voigt struggles and they're giving Bird a couple tough righty at-bats and he's playing well... Then I think it gets there, but not until after spring. Do you and think Bird? What, what are the biggest thing about spring training games, Jim? Getting work, getting being healthy and getting working. Yeah, being being healthy. Well, so do you think that there's any chance Bird can force if it's two of them for first base and no other move has been made? Do you think there's any chance Bird can win over a platoon to start the season? Or do you think no. it's Voits every day from the start of the season until he loses it? No, I I think there'd be a shot by like end of April if Voit was struggling and Bird was playing okay, but not after spring. No, I think they might go into spring with super open slate. I think they'll end up saying that, but I no. Okay. Right. MVP level. Oh, again. And I just have a short question um, about the research that the Yankees are apparently doing on Machado lately. I've heard a lot about that, and my question was, is this something that is just procedure that we do with every free agent, or is this development more noteworthy in the sense that it would constitute saying that we're really, really interested in him and that we're targeting him heavily? Um, In my opinion, you know, this would make a ton of sense for the Yankees, especially with Didi being out, and it would potentially let us uh, free up trading Andahar for a front-of-the-line starting pitcher if we have to, someone like Corey Kluber. Um, anyway, that's all. Uh, y'all have a great day. See ya. All right, that was Sam in Jacksonville, and then the next question is also about Machado, so I'm going to run it, and then we'll talk about both of them. Hey, Talking Yanks. It's uh, Will from Buffalo. Um, just had a quick question about Manny Machado. Um, I don't know if you guys have talked about his um, well-documented lack of hustle. Um, a lot of people are, like, turned off by the thought of having him on the Yankees because of the lack of hustle, and then they related to Gary Sanchez, which we all know is bullcrap. Um, so let me know what you guys think about it. I personally uh, wouldn't let that lack of hustle stop me from signing a 300 hitter with 40 home runs but that's just me so again let me know what what you guys think uh thanks have a great day all right so sam's question from jacksonville was is the research and the we're hearing they're doing all this background on manny machado is that different than a normal free agent is it more does it mean anything obviously jake and i have no idea we're not behind the scenes i would like to think they do a lot of research on every free agent or every guy they trade or sign for so i would think it's par for the course do you have any thoughts on that jake you wonder they they probably have like a free agent scouting thing but i mean they have a ton of tape on machado and i'm sure they you know they gather all the tape and do all of that um you you wonder what it actually is do i and that's maybe each gm's own trick if they scout there's probably some gms they want to see all 600 at-bats he had this year. There's probably some that want to see the highlights. There's probably some that want to see the lowlights. Um, they're, they're doing their dil- due diligence like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't – I think a lot of it's already been done. It's not like they came <laughs> – it's not like November 1st hit and they were like, all right, so who are the free agents this year? <laughs> like that's what we've been talking about. They have a five-year plan. They know who the free agents are going to be for the upcoming season. Um, I mean, I I think the biggest thing that's normally not the discussion, I mentioned Hap earlier. Like, Hap is making more and more sense. Like, pay him for two years. Maybe Justice Sheffield is good by them, and then you have a cheap starting pitcher to sub in. Um, or you make a new game plan from there. 
with these young hitters, Machado and Harper, this isn't a one-year thing. This is a 10-year plan with these guys. The project I saw the projected contract for Harper. Uh, Harper to years. the de- 14 years for 420, shout out. Um, so think about that. You're not making a what's the team looking for 2019 plan. You're this is this is bigger than that. Yeah. Uh, and then Will from Buffalo does uh, Machado's lack of hustle take away from how good he is at swinging a baseball bat? Uh, no, but the lack of hustle is the least. If you were to take uh, a whiteboard and you were to put the cons about Machado, lack of hustle would be on there, but it would be the last of all the other ones. Like I just think he's, I think that he's got a bad personality because he thinks he has to have this fake tough guy personality and he's kind of locked himself into being a punk bitch. Like go watch the, the highlights of him and Donaldson spats and throwing the bat and, and then the lack of hustle, who, who cares? Guys don't hustle every now and then that'll happen. And it, you can offset that easily by staying healthy and producing while healthy. And then whatever, fine. We'll, we'll deal with that as we do. But to say yeah, I don't hustle. That's not what I'm never going to hustle. That the the personality that would say that is more of a problem than doing it. Does that make sense? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, he's he's supposed to be coming into the no nonsense, the no nonsense Yankees. I thought we were just going to have an all-time talking Yanks highlight. My my dog started yakking a little bit and I was like, "Here we go. He's got a tendency to eat socks." I was like, "Oh, this is going to be gross." And then I saw a little bit of string coming out of his mouth. So I was like, come over here. Look at this. Look at this string he pulled out. It's the length of my torso. It's down his throat. That's gross. Pulling, pulling that out mid-Machado read. Maybe that's my magic trick that I that I have to do. Um, here's the thing. Yeah, it's it's all about buying. I mean, is is Manny Machado going to respect the Yankees, Boone, Cashman, Judge, Stanton? I mean, he's... He's the new guy. Is he young and good? Yeah. But, you know, has he ever finished second in the MVP voting like Aaron Judge has? Um, and he should have won it. I I don't know. The I don't know where I stand on the laziness, man. Like, I totally get it. Like, he's really good, but it does suck. Just sucks. It, it sucks that we have to have this conversation. I, I don't want Machado just starting fights with other teams all the time and then, like, it's just nonsense. Like, I just, it just fills the, fills the tabloids. I don't know. Whatever. I think he's a punk bitch. He's my least favorite. He's been my least favorite player in baseball. So, right. <laughs> but I understand that his skill, his skill still overrides that. So I would still take him on the Yankees, obviously. Yeah. He's, he's, he's the guy you'd rather have on your team than against your team. It's a corny one. Corn. All right, we are going to slide into a little history lesson. Dandy, the mascot. Shout out uh, Justin Panic of Bleeding Blue podcast, Giants and Yankees podcast, because he said that he'd like us to talk about this. Because last week we, last episode we did the the two players that traded wives from the late late from the late seventies to the early eighties. The Yankees had a mascot. The same lady that designed the Philly Fanatic designed it. So it's a pear-shaped pinstripe, basically, with a mustache. But the team didn't really want it. It seems like there was a divide. Steinbrenner didn't want it. Uh, but but Steinbrenner didn't want it, but he also got in a fight over the color of the blue. Right. Because she, the, she made it a lighter blue, not the Yankee blue, because she thought the Yankee blue would get just mistaken for black in photos and in the distance. And sort of tries to Steinbrenner said no way right they also would not allow the dandy to be anywhere but the upper deck wasn't allowed on the field it wasn't allowed in the lower levels because they didn't want it to really be associated like they so there was a divide here someone thought it must have been good and the top brass was like well, no we don't want this nonsense so it would just roam around there's a uh there's a guide to the stadium here from 19 uh it's the 1981 Yankee baseball fun at the ballpark guide. And this is what it says. Dandy, the Yankees mascot was introduced during the 1979 season and is unique among the characters of major league baseball. Of course, he delights children and entertains with his hat spinning mustache, curling and soft shoe shuffling antics, but he's still a little different than the others during the game. He reminds in the, he remains in the stands and off the field. 
The Yankees introduced Dandy to help add the enjoyment of families and children at the ballpark, but they didn't want him to distract the players or umpires or take away from the great game of baseball. So they stuck him in the upper deck. Do you know about this mascot? I didn't know about Dandy until actually before we started talking about this, that article came out today about Dandy or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. After he was gone, Steinbrenner claimed he had no recollection of him. They just wouldn't even like mention him. They must have really not wanted it. Yeah, and this is, a, I'm trying to put myself in the era. I mean, Mr. Met started in 64. The Philly Fanatic was huge. The San Diego Chicken was huge. This was like one of the first like big promotions. Mascots were were, were killing it. Um, and yeah, man, it's all, it's all about putting butts in seats. And I think Steinbrenner was doing more of the better product, the more butts in seats. Why do we want a mascot running around? Speaking of the San Diego Chicken, in 1979, mm. Lou Pinella uh, got so angry at the San Diego, San Diego Chicken that he threw his glove at the bird. And in a post-game conference, Pinella said, if people want to pay to see a chicken, they should dress up the ballplayers in chicken suits. And this incident occurred in 1979, which was unfortunate timing for Dandy, who just was about to debut that year, to have a player, a star player, say mascots are terrible so i think that must have led to it a little bit fan favorite player yeah that's uh it's a tough look can i can i say this i like how dandy turned out dandy mustache was fashioned after former yankee catcher thurman munson and when munson died on a plane crash dandy was put on hiatus yeah that's a that's a tough break for dandy too uh, yeah, send him down to Tampa. Like, if Dandy was at spring training, that'd be fantastic. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I think we're at the point where we're, we're happy Dandy didn't stick. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. He was named after the song Yankee Doodle Dandy, which I told the history of on Last from the Past recently. I'm not going to do it again, but yeah. very good. The Yankees leased Dandy for three years and $30,000. The creators of Dandy would not renew the lease because they believed he was not supported by the team. Well, he wasn't. Uh, yeah, facts. Dandy had a theme song written by Eddie Layton, the organist at Yankee Stadium, but it was never played because Layton died and he never recorded the song. Mm. One time, Dandy opened for Bill Cosby. During that gig, he was almost ripped to shreds by a bunch of drunk bankers. What the fuck you mean he opened for Bill Cosby? Yeah, that's tough. I, I don't know what that means. That makes no sense. And then saying he was almost ripped to shred by bankers. Everyone in the crowd was a banker? What the fuck is that fun fact? Is this Who? a wiki? What are you reading? It's an article on Gothamist. Jeez. Yeah, I don't know. That makes that whole sentence makes no sense. One time Dandy opened for Bill Cosby. During the gig, he was almost ripped to shreds by a bunch of drunk bankers. The fuck? Yeah, that's tough. How does what does Dandy do in an opening set? Just literally walk up there and wave. This <laughs> guy in a mascot. Whatever. We'll move past that. Give me the video. Another time, Dandy's human, Rick Ford. Is that the term when you say? That's a weird term. I actually hate this article now. That's where you call the guy in the costume his human. Dandy's human, Rick Ford held the costume for ransom. Ford was then fired. When Dandy was retired, the outfit was thrown in a dumpster. All right. Couple tough yeah. fun facts from Gothamist there, but yeah, now everyone uh, knows. Now everyone knows the history of Dandy the mascot. Dandy the mascot. Yeah, we we saw that. What was it? Cut four that came out with the article. Yeah, they today, tweet, they tweeted it. I, I didn't read the new article. Uh, yeah, I didn't read it either. But um, yeah, I mean, get eyes on Dandy, and uh, you know, let, let it resound. Oh, that's that <laughs> word resound, barbaric. That's that word resound. That's my new soundboard that I have. Jake Jake set me up perfectly for that one. Yeah, I knew. I wanted to provoke you there. Bob Barrick. Let that word resound. That's fun for the listeners. I play the soundboard and then I say it. And everyone enjoys that a lot. Well, anyway, right. I think that's the end of our show. Thank you for calling in and using the voicemail line. 908-845-5792. Call in. Leave a voicemail. Something you want us to talk about, you're interested in, a question, a concern, a comment. It's fun. I really, really enjoy it. If you have any, uh, 
we're going to try and do like a little history tidbit. So uh, if you if you have any ideas, like Justin sent in Dandy the mascot, send them in. I want to I want to take a deep dive into Joe DiMaggio's fifty seven game hit streak. Because all I know is that for 50, 50, 56, all I know is that he has the hit streak. Like I don't know anything else about it. I, I might I might send you deep into the rabbit hole and make it like a a mini series. Because I, I don't think I don't think you're gonna get everything you want to get out of the Joe DiMaggio 57 game hit streak in like even if we did 30 minutes on it. Yeah, maybe. Like how many times did it, was it his fourth at bat of the game? Right. How many multiple hit games did he have? Sure. Were the Yankees winning at the time? Right. I don't know. But I'll I'll go do a deep dive on that, and we'll do a yeah. Maybe we'll do its own little mini history episode, or maybe it'll be half of another voicemail episode, or whatever. But thank you guys very much for listening. We appreciate it. Rate, review, subscribe. Hey, you know what? We haven't had a review in a while. Yeah, let's get some reviews. Get some reviews already, guys. You know, we know you. uh... You're out there. You're listening. If 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 you're listening. Oh, also, some people listen and don't subscribe. What's that about? Subscribe and then write a review. That'd be awesome. Yeah, write write a review about uh either either Yankee Doodle Dandy Dandy or me pulling a string out of my doodle something string doodle dandy related and and we'll get we'll give you some love string doodle give you a shout out string doodle dandy boom 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 string doodle dandy thank you guys very much for listening we will be back on Monday with another episode maybe there's news I'm not expecting there to be news either way. Enjoy your weekends. Go. I, the, I got one for you. This is for for the people that have made it this far. Yeah. What do you think the first news news will be? Trade, free agent signing, like a hap, re- hap or D Rob resigning was what we guessed last time. Okay. I, I guess. Yeah, that's. I guess tap. You guessed D Rob. I like that. All right. Go Yanks. Tell them, Grams. Go Yankees.